Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. We all take the chance with HSCT because we believe it is our only hope for a life free from progressive disease. This podcast is dedicated to the warriors whose journey with HSCT ended too soon. We honor their advocacy, their legacies, and their spirits. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We are glad you've joined us. Thank you. Thanks again so much for taking time to chat about your HSCT experience. I guess I could say welcome to episode three. Uh, So joining me today is Ellie from Chicago, who received HSCT on June 16th, June 6th, I'm sorry, of 2016, right? Yes. Excellent. So... Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. It's exciting to talk with someone from Chicago who, uh, well, it's interesting to me that HSCT is offered around the world and in more locations now worldwide, and I'm hoping to interview more people who travel to other locations for HSCT, but knowing that Dr. Burt is kind of the originator or a founder of HSCT. It's exciting that you are right there in Chicago. I agree. I feel pretty grateful and lucky. Well, and I think I read in the quick bio statement that you provided that you first found out about HSCT from a good friend who actually had the opportunity to interview Dr. Burt. Yes, right. For the um, Journal of American Medical Association. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like how far along were you in your diagnosis and what um, excited you about what you heard from your friend? Well, I was diagnosed in 2003 and I heard about um, HSCT in 2006. So a few years later. Um, And when she mentioned it to me, I did investigate it. I I called um, Northwestern and spoke to them and they explained to me that Dr. Burt had success in treating lupus patients and he was starting to treat those with multiple sclerosis. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was sounded like a great opportunity, but at the time it wasn't really practical for me. I was I had only been diagnosed a few years, and I was okay at the time on um, Avanex, and I wasn't relapsing yet. And my son was young, and it just wasn't good timing. They had told me that it would be a couple months in the hospital, and I thought, ah, I can't really do that right now. <laughs> but I may definitely kept a file on it for the future. 
So you initially thought, well, it's interesting, but not necessarily for me right now because of personal experience, even being positive with a DMD, which is fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also just, yeah, being more concerned about taking care of your son and being 100% for him. That's completely admirable. And I'm sure there are listeners out there going through the same um, decision making process, right? Like the uncertainty. Sure. So then I guess it'd be great to know more about why you ended up pursuing HSCT. What led you to pursue it? Well, you know, as people know with MS, this disease does not really get better. Um, It only gets worse. And you might have periods of remission, but inevitably the disease process continues um, because all that DMDs, disease-modifying drugs do is delay the progression of the disease. It's certainly not a cure by any means. And so um, I was successful on Avonex um, from 2003 until 2015. And then I had um, a pretty bad relapse that landed me inpatient um, in the hospital um, on steroids. Then it was time to find another disease-modifying drug. So I started um, Abagio, and I felt like I never really stopped relapsing. And so... I had to um, do something different. And at the time, it was very hectic. I, with my first relapse, I was working out a 30-day notice period with an employer. And I only had a week off before I started my next job. Goodness. Um, yeah, the timing was, was really not good at all. And so I started um, the next job, and and then I got on to the next disease modifying drugs. Um, and I really tried to make the job work. Um, but it just wasn't going to happen. My body just kept relapsing on the Abagio. So I decided that I would, um, have to quit the job and take a break, um, look into HSCT and, um, take, um, a master's class towards my degree. So that's what I did. And while I was resting and recovering, and so I inquired, I believe it was November of 2015. And um, no, I'm sorry, I actually went for the appointment in November, but I looked into it right away in October. And so in November, I got an appointment with Dr. Burt, and I was very lucky that he um, accepted me for the trial. And at that time, it was the clinical trial was um, randomized. And so I would have had a 50% chance of being randomized to um, a traditional DMD and 50% chance of being randomized to the transplant group. Um, Well, I was very lucky. My insurance um, from the second job, the the last job that I had at the time that I had to resign, actually, I had that under COBRA. I was paying COBRA for that job. And so... I had insurance through Cigna that covered my transplant, which is not the case for everyone. So I, it's very funny how everything happens for a reason. <laughs> it's amazing to me that, yeah, even on Cobra, they covered it. 
They did. That's even on fantastic. Cobra. It must, well, yeah, it, <laughs> you laughed and said you were just, you had quit the jobs and then you're settling into a graduate course. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's just as stressful to be in school as it <laughs> is to be working. And, you know, how often we get caught up in our own routine of stress. And it sounds like that you had a lot of high stress going on and that was probably contributing to your relapses. Yeah, I, I did. The job was definitely stressful. I was covering multiple positions at the time and, um, you know, but it's, it's hard to say what causes what, you know, but I wasn't actually taking a class while I was working. I waited till I stopped working. I was, yeah, because I'm definitely, you always have to be very aware of your, of stress because autoimmune, we're so sensitive to it. Absolutely. Well, but. and to me, it just sounds like it's almost just as stressful to be in school and mm -hmm. then also be exploring such a significant procedure um, for your wellness sure. and well-being. Um, so, well, I guess it'd be nice to know why it was important for you to participate in this podcast. Well, I think it's really important. I, before I participated in HSCT during my research, I came upon a lot of people's blogs. Um, so I have one myself because other people's blogs really helped me a lot and I wanted to pay it forward. So I also have a blog, which is awesome. Um, www.hsctforms.com. Awesome. We'll definitely add that to the show notes. Thanks for sharing that. So what was your goal with your yep. blog? Um, my goal, I had two goals, really. I mean, one goal was because I wanted to keep track of everything through my journey from before I even had transplants, from the time that I was accepted up through current. Um, because I think that people, I think it's helpful for people to read others' experiences, even though we're all different. Um, someone might read something in my blog and say, oh, she had shingles too. Okay, so I don't have to freak out, you know. Um, so I think, I, think that, I think it's helpful for other people. And then also for myself, I find that when I look back at where I was two months ago, six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, even before it's um, I think it just really helps someone to be grateful for where they are today. So that, that helps me a great deal. And so it, that's what motivated you to participate in this interview and this podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much. So, and thank you for blogging your experience. I know I encountered your blog along the way and two started my own and it is so helpful to see the experiences of others, at least read about it. And I think one of the goals for me with this podcast is to help put a voice behind those stories, right? Um, yeah. Bring a little bit yeah. more of the detail and emotion and heartfelt experience with our words. I agree. Thanks for being a part of this. So um, how is recovery going for you? It sounds like you are a reflective person and in thinking about how you're doing today versus six months ago and even a year or two ago, how is recovery going for you? 
You know, I feel it's so funny how, you know, people talk about the roller coaster and I'd say recovery is definitely a roller coaster, but I feel like um, I'm in a good place on it, but maybe I'm kind of slowing down a little bit, at least for now. Um, And I'm actually going to return to work the same job I had when I had the really bad relapse. So um, I'm really grateful yeah. So it's, I feel like by going back there, um, it's kind of like putting me back at where I was before all of this even happened, but in a better, in a better place. And I've, um, already spoke with my old company and they understand that I'm, um, not going to be covering multiple positions anymore. So that's, I definitely have some healthy boundaries. That's very exciting. Yeah. really exciting well yeah just to think about being somewhere how do you face that do you have any fear are you are you actually facing fear or am I putting words into this that don't belong like I I think it'd be a little intimidating to return to an environment where such a significant relapse hit you Um, do you have more confidence now on this side of things I do have more confidence. I think the only concern that I have is, um, you know, wanting is, is we all kind of struggle with the, do you revaccinate? Do you not revaccinate? And, um, but besides, besides this, and I have already, I'm already aware of which vaccinations I don't have anymore. Um, working in healthcare, that can be a little bit of a concern. Um, but the other thing is I had shingles when I had my last position. I had gone back to work um, last year for seven months, and then I got shingles, so I had to resign and take care of that. And wow. um, I thought maybe it was, yeah, too soon. So I'm a little bit nervous about shingles. And my neurologist said that the new shing- Shingrix, I think it's called, that new vaccine is supposed to oh, be yeah. safe. And I, yeah, I was actually researching it before you called, um, and it is, according to what I've read, it is supposed to be safer for people with autoimmune, but I'm still in the camp of I'm not ready to risk it. <laughs> sure. So, um, so you know, my the, the, neuro, the study neurologist at Northwestern, Dr. Balabanoff, had suggested that I just take Valtrex, and so I'm actually going to see my primary care physician tomorrow and um, see if I can get a prescription just to sort of prevent shingles. Is that an, and is, is it an antiviral? Yeah, an antiviral. Yeah. It's, I think it's like meant for herpes, but it's the same kind of, you know, sure kind of family. Yeah. So that's well, that's what he had suggested. I believe maybe you were in the camp of, um, the pro when the protocol only required six months of the acyclovir, antiviral I was on it no I was on it for a year okay well and that's yeah, a, I understand they shortened it they did shorten it for a time and then they ramped it back up to a full year and I believe protocols ah. are different all over the world right with sure. with with that antiviral um and I believe I will be on it for an entire year and um maybe I'll just stash away an extra dose if possible somewhere um, just in case yeah, those symptoms pe- come up. Yeah, because people in my group from 2016, um, those of us who got it, 
it was after the year point, including myself, actually. I think I was a year and I mean, maybe 14, 15 months. And so do you relate that, <clears throat> excuse me, experience to stress? You know, I, I'm assuming that that might be, well, originally that's what I thought. I thought it was stress, but then others in my transplant group also got shingles. So hmm. I thought, well, maybe I quit my job too prematurely. Maybe this is just something that, um, you know, happens and that they probably needed to increase the period, the duration of how long they were on an antiviral. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets extended even longer. But I'm glad to hear that it went to a year because others in my transplant group, I was the first in my in my summer group, but those after me, some of them were only told six months, and I was kind of surprised by that. But I'm glad to hear that it's back up again to a year. As far as I know, I could be wrong. And again, yeah. protocols, I think, change and adapt as needed for even the individual and the autoimmune disease. So it's just, sure. it, it is a curious thing to pay attention to. And who knows what ultimately drives our bodies to behave the way they do, right? <laughs> so, yeah. well, and so you mentioned that revaccination is one of these tough decisions you're trying to wrestle with right now. Are there any other tough decisions about recovery or even going into transplant, anything that was really tough for you? Um, you know, well, yeah, one other thing was tough for me was about my neurologist. My neurologist, being in Chicago, um, you know, my neurologist, I guess, they, they made my doctor aware. Um, and so my doctor was quite upset. Um, and he called Dr. Burt and, um, basically was saying, I, you know, I sounded like he might've been accusing him of stealing patients or something really crazy like that. And so Dr. Burt called me personally to tell me that he would not be able to treat me, um, because of my neurologist. So I actually had oh to beg my neurologist to, yeah, it was quite, I think it was just a political thing, but, wow. um, yeah, because at the time, Dr. Balabanoff was at my hospital in the same practice as my neurologist was. And so he was transferring. As soon after, I found out he was transferring to Northwestern. So I think it might have just been a political thing. But I went to the um, HSCT Facebook page and said, you know, hey, I, I really need a neuro who's pro-HSCT in the Chicago area. And that's how I found my neurologist was from other people in the, in the group. And so I was able to go back and said, I have a new neuro. And the great thing about that was, as I mentioned before, this was a randomized trial. Well, I was taken off of randomization and put straight through as um, a compassion case. Wow. So I'm very grateful. You know, had I not had that relapse, I wouldn't have qualified for HSCT. And had I not had that insurance from that other job, I wouldn't have had the funds to pay for it. And had my doctor not had a fit, I may not have been taken, I may not have been taken off of randomization and gone through on compassion. So everything just lined up the way that it was supposed to. And I'm very grateful. Yeah, the universe seems to be working with you. That's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely wonderful. 
Ah, uh, you, it's, you definitely deserve it, right? We all deserve wellness. <laughs> and, uh, we you, do. You deserve wellness just as much as anyone else deserves wellness. Thank so, you. yeah. You too. Um, do you have any doubts or reservations now that you're on this side of HSCT? No, I really don't. I, I mean, it's over two years past, I, I feel pretty stable and I have faith that I will continue to stay in remission permanently. And one day they'll call it a cure and I'll be able to say that I used to have MS, which is something to look forward to. How does that feel? It feels amazing. It, it really does. I am just grateful. I mean, I think back and I was using a walker, you know, and I was just declining so rapidly. And now I, I don't, you know, I, I was one of the lucky ones that had some symptom reversal. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that the clock was stopped and rewound a little bit. That's amazing. Good for you. So you must have been in active disease stage. You said you almost couldn't get out of relapse when you went into transplant. So, and that seems to be the time frame by which the transplant is most effective. Right. That's why Dr. Burt, yeah, I remember Dr. Burt saying that inflammation was important um, in order to qualify. I know some people get kind of down because they don't qualify, but I really trust that Dr. Burt and, and these other doctors internationally, they, they know, you know, who the best candidates are and, and, you know, what's going to be successful. And uh, I was explained to me that inflammation is a key part of that. So I'm glad my inflammation was good for something. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> That's, it's, it's so true and seems to be the biggest factor in terms of success with, um, not just seeing the halt of progression, but then also any potential for reversal or healing of symptoms. Um, so I'm curious, shifting gears a little bit, what has been the cost to other people in your life as you've gone through HSCT? Oh gosh. Um, during the process is the cost. Well, I am very lucky because living in Chicago and having insurance coverage, I think I was much more unscathed than most people. Um, you know, my son is an adult at this point, so it wasn't an issue of childcare or anything like that. Um, you know, my, my family was very supportive, I guess, in terms of cost, I guess, you know, just their own, you know, being unsure, fears of the unknown, maybe some anxiety a little bit for my folks. But um, but I don't think there was really much of a cost in, in my case. I mean, um, you know, my, my dad has had to help me out financially, um, but I'm very happy to be able to return to work now and repay him, which was sure. always what my plan, my plan was. Sure. So being local helped you. And so what kind of support system did you have locally that um, helped you get through all of this? Um, really, my, my friends and family. Um, you know, I, I've never, you know, I never felt homesick. I, I mean, I don't live very far. I'm only maybe three miles or something from the hospital. Um, so I was able to see friends and family and I had, um, my best friend came out from Arizona and stayed with me for um, the first week during mobilization. And 
And then his husband came out and helped me for another week. And one of my other friends took care of my dog while I was going through this. Um, because the, I know a lot of people, um, don't follow the, the pet recommendation, but I felt very strong about following all the recommendations. I didn't want to cause anything to go wrong. So I had my dog go with my friend for the first couple months. So I've had a lot of support. That's wonderful. Fantastic news that, um, even being three miles away, that's tremendous. Um, and probably very convenient for all of your follow-ups. Yeah. I was able to go for my weekly blood test after and everything because it's super close. I just hopped in an Uber and went there for the blood test and everything. Awesome. And I've seen you also volunteer to show up and visit people. So thanks for always staying connected with the community. Oh, sure. You know, well, there are some people who come, who come alone. And there was one woman who came from, I think it was Texas and her gym shoes and things got lost. And so I was able to um, go to Marshall's and take pictures of shoes and, Oh wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I, we could, I could help her shop for shoes and I brought her some shoes so she would be able to walk safely in the hospital. That's so nice of you. Sure. My pleasure. It's the least I can do. Are there any other memorable experiences for you? Wow. You know, um, not really. I just thought, you know, I was really impressed with the care of the whole staff. I was in Chicago at Northwestern. Um, that was, you know, an outstanding. I was new in Northwestern, had a great reputation, you know, living local, but to be inpatient and have the amazing nurses and other staff to take care of me was was really um, impressive. And I think anyone who's going to Northwestern should feel very comfortable. Oh my gosh. Um, I can't even describe how professional every experience was with all of the nurses, the PCTs, even the custodial staff. I mean, yeah. Even checking in at the ground floor, you know, when you first show up to figure out where you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to go. And even the people at the reception are just tremendous, friendly and kind and welcoming and so helpful. It's above and beyond professional care. Mm -hmm. Truly phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So could you offer any advice based on your own experience to help others with MS going through HSCT? Um, My advice would be to totally commit to the process. Um, I see on the Facebook pages a lot that people want to be tourists and they're taking selfies or pictures at all different kinds of places. And, you know, when you start mobilization, that's a lot of chemo and, you know, it's, You've got so many years in the future to come back and be a tourist. But when you're going through something major life-changing like HSAT, I think it's so important to try to just stay calm and stay quiet and listen to your body and um, take all of the precautions because you'll, you'll have the rest of your life to be a tourist and to do all those fun Chicago things. But um, my advice is just to really 
you know, take the time. It's, it's amazing how you become so much more in tune with your body going through this process. And so I think it's a really cool journey. And I think it's, it's something that should be focused on and, and celebrated and try to do all the other outside world things when you're recovering or when you're done. But for now, when you're going through the treatment, just give it your all, put everything into it. And, and I think you'll have a better outcome. Yeah. You know, it's always fun to revisit for a one year follow-up and a two year follow-up and you can save the pizza and the tourist, um, well, touring the museums and all of those activities for another time later in the future. I, I would agree with that seems to minimize any risk of germs complicating the whole process. The last thing you want to do is get sick. Right. Do you remember getting your stem cells back? What was it like? I do remember that. And it was a really bizarre feeling. And, um, and I've heard other people's stories, you know, that they were able to walk better and, and immediately. I mean, it's, it's amazing how if you give the body what it needs, it can fix itself. It's amazing. Did you fall asleep? I did not fall asleep. I was very aware. I wanted to watch that bag. I wanted to watch all of those stem cells coming back into me. Um, it was an exciting. It was an exciting time. They, the hospital, has clergy, and they offer to um, send a clergy person to read a blessing. Um, I'm Jewish and my dad is um, pretty religious. And so I knew that he would enjoy being a part of that experience. So I asked him if he would like to read some blessings and he consulted with his rabbi and got the appropriate blessings and he read them um, before my stem cells were given back to me. That Sorry. Is, no, it's, that's <laughs> really cool. Dog. Um, but name a superpower that you gained from your experience with HSCT? Ooh, a superpower. Um, I would say the ability to be more in tune with me physically, with my body. I think that, you know, after my body being at war with me for, you know, over a decade, um, to kind of becoming good friends with my body, I think that a superpower that I did not foresee happening. So or do you have any strategies um, to tune into your body now that you've come through all of this or what, what kind of prompted that initial getting to know yourself um, focus? Um, well, I think while you're in the hospital, you kind of really learn, like I had a number of transfusions and, I remember at one point feeling really weak and I knew my hemoglobin was low. I could just tell. I mean, before transplant, I couldn't have told you what part of my blood was. <laughs> was oh. um, but I remember when they made their morning rounds one day, I said to my nurse, Michelle, I said, are you going to give me more blood? She's like, no one ever asked for more blood. I'm like, well, I feel it. I need more blood. And she said, yes, we are going to give you more blood. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, so there's that physical part, but, you know, also um, something I've done differently is I started seeing an integrative medicine doctor after this and they run different tests that are a little bit more detailed than what a regular doctor will do. 
Um, and so, you know, going through trying to get my hormones leveled out with menopause, chemo put me into menopause, um, as well as um, hypothyroid. So getting all of that leveled out, I think, is important. But then also, um, you know, my doctor has me um, doing other things that are healthier for me, like um, yoga and um, meditation and just tuning more in, I think is just super important. And I think that's a superpower. I don't think everyone has that, um, has, everyone has the ability to do that. But I, I don't think that I would have been so willing to do these things prior to HSCT. No, were you a very easily distracted by the outside world type of person? Yes. Yes, I definitely was much more than I am now. So is there anything holding you back from it fully embracing that superpower? Um, no, I'm actually in the process now of um, trying to fine tune that. So nice. Do you have any, of, yeah. well, do you have any like resources or books that you would recommend for anybody who is not in tune that might help them? find the space oh, sure. to be more in tune? Absolutely. Um, you know, my, my sister-in-law is an integrative medicine doctor as well. And she told me about this product called HeartMath, um, made by Interbalance. And it's really neat. It actually, you, there's an app on your phone that you download and then you purchase these not exactly headphones, but, um, it has, it's like this little thing that clips onto your ear. Um, and then you follow the breathing exercises and that sort of helps with your autonomic system. Um, so that's very helpful. And then also I just recently found this website or an app rather called Jio, J-I-Y-O, um, which has a lot of different meditations and, um, yoga and all kinds of of healthy things for you. So I think those are two really good resources. I'll have to check out Jio and, and heart math. That sounds very interesting in terms of regulating the heart rate. And, um, I know for others, and I don't know if this has been your experience, but at least for me, anxiety has ramped up, um, post HSCT. I could always control it in the past with breathing and yoga and kind of tuning in and, I've been surprised by how often things in my mind are distracted just by anxiety. And I've heard other people say that that's kind of a post HSCT, maybe even side effect of chemo, or maybe just the steroids and everything we're going through. Who knows? But um, yeah, heart math sounds very interesting to be able to actually see the heart rate and how it's behaving during the day. And um, if there's like even cues that could train my body to not react in such an anxious way, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it really teaches you how to breathe and how to be more focused um, with your breathing. And, and you can really help your body that way. And yeah, I agree with you. Anxiety, definitely. I don't, like you said, I, I don't know like what the cause is, if it's, you know, the chemo or the hormones or, you know, who knows, you know, what host of things have led it or even just the situation of like, what now and will it work and won't it work? Or, you know, what do I need to look out for? So 
Yeah, definitely. But I, I'm definitely less anxious now than I have been in years. That's phenomenal. And you attribute that more to the heart math and practicing the attunement. Yeah, I, I think so. I think those things as well as, you know, my doctor has me avoiding, um, I'm avoiding wheat and I'm avoiding corn. Hmm. Um, because I have um, some high levels of inflammation that I'm trying to get down to. So, yeah, so I think just making yourself a priority in whatever shape that takes, I think is just really important. Couldn't agree with you more. I will share a resource with you, one that I have fell in love with years ago, and it's my fallback. Um, it's called yogaglow.com, and it's mm. yogaglo.com. And so they offer videos of many different styles of yoga, including meditation and yoga nidra, which is amazing for nearing falling asleep. <laughs> Um, but restorative mm. classes and they have, you know, the tougher Ashtanga and Anusara vinyasa classes. Um, but they offer classes, five minute intervals, 10 minute, 20, 30, up to like 90 minutes. And they offer series of classes. You can sort by teachers. So if you come wow. across a teacher you really like, um, and I think it's like $16 a month or something. Um, which is the less than the cost of a class in a studio these days, right? Oh, sure. It's been an amazing go-to and they have an app, so that makes it convenient. But like, I know when I was at work all the time, I could just log in for a five minute desk yoga session and ground myself and get a little bit of stretching in after sitting at the computer too long. Um, yeah, that's a great idea. It's been a phenomenal resource and definitely worth the investment. Well, investment in yourself and I'm not getting any, I'm not getting paid by them. They're not a sponsor, although I would love them to sponsor this podcast, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm not getting any kind of financial return by promoting them or heart math or any of that. Although who knows we're open to that someday, right? Sure. (laughs) As we're just getting started, I just, yeah, I think sharing resources is part of this and getting to know more, getting to know more of the tools that we can add to our toolkit, not just for recovery, but then also for preparing to go through HSCT. So anyhow, so do you have any strategies, um, that's, that are promoting your recovery other than the tuning in? Um, not really. I'm going to the gym also. I mean, I've been, I think, I think paying attention to what you put in your body. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah eating. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the eating too. Sorry that you cut it out yeah. wheat and corn. Yeah. That was just my doctor's suggestion for me. But I think, you know, if you talk to your doctor about your needs, your, what you want, you know, what your goals are. Um, then I think, you know, you find people who know more than you do <laughs> and they can, they can guide you with what you need to do. So I think being open to, to learning and to trying something different, I think is important. So important. So important. Lifelong learner here. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So what are you grateful for about your HSCT experience that has gone unspoken? Oh my gosh. Um, Oh, I'm, I'm really grateful for all of it. Um, 
you know, I'm, I try to think of what I haven't, what I haven't said. I think being more hopeful for the future, um, that might be something I haven't talked about, but yeah, I mean, when you feel better, you're more hopeful. So I am definitely more hopeful for the future. My future looks a lot better than it did. That's that beautiful. HSTT. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. So did anything shift for you? I know I, it's been great to hear more about your dedication to yourself and offering that advice to others to really just embrace all that's ahead with the procedure, but also with recovery and certainly embracing yourself going through all of it and being more in tune with your body and your health and wellness. Thank you for sharing that inspiration because it's definitely a gift and a great reminder that should be heard hopefully more often. Um, did anything shift for you during this conversation? Did anything what? I'm sorry. Just did anything shift for you? Like, do you have a new perspective about anything after reflecting on all that you've been through? Um, gosh, you know, um, I feel like I just have a, a better appreciation um, for everything, for my health, for my body, for life, for science. <laughs> um, um, the confidence. Know, the and the confidence that you're finding returning to the position where you were in a different way. Yeah. Um, but that's, mm-hmm. that's really brave. You are a warrior indeed. And I really appreciate getting to know you better through this conversation. My pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your stories, your snowflakes, your superpowers, and uh, all that lies ahead for you. I wish you nothing but the best with your new career and continued wellness and healing. Thank you. Same to you. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes, and your ratings will help other people find the show. Tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well, 